Welcome to episode 124 of the Ask Achieve show where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and nutrition. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, I'm going to be going over my presentation that I gave to our achievers about nutrition and healing your relationship with food. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. That was a mouthful. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, I didn't practice any sort of, or write down any sort of intro. Still Um, struggling with that a little bit. So a little bit of a different episode for you today. It's not going to be a Q&A format. It's more going to be... A little bit of an open discussion and dialogue about some of the stuff that nutrition, uh, that nutrition, that Lauren <laughs> talked about in terms of nutrition and, uh, yeah, like you, like you said, healing her relationship with food, um, you know, over the course of the last however many years, the, your, your, your whole <laughs> life, years, basically. Probably, yeah. Um, um, yeah, this was a presentation that, um, well, I just also almost called Michaela nutrition. <laughs> Why are we having a problem with names? Um, Michaela, one of our coaches, she set up this workshop at Achieve that we did for um, members or people who were local that wanted to come in and and listen to it. And basically, she asked me to discuss uh, two topics. One was nutrition in the media, and the other was healing your relationship with food, um, because she knows that that's something that um, I have personal experience with. And I wanted to make sure that I told my story, but also gave a lot of tangible uh, things for people to start trying and things that people could start to do, like right now if they're someone who is struggling with their relationship with food. Yeah, I think you brought a lot of good balance with the talk. Um, As to the other coaches, um, I I think a lot of times there's kind of like two different camps. One is like the hardcore nutrition is just like pure math calculation, calories in, calories out. And they give you the macros and they're like, okay, just execute it. It's just science. And then the other camp is almost a little bit too on the emotional side of the spectrum where they don't give any sort of advice right it's just like you know purely go based on fuel or just however you're feeling and don't worry about calories and all that um but i think all you all you three were able to kind of like bridge that gap and kind of find different ways to hit different pockets of information that would resonate with most people yeah i think that's a huge issue right now with nutrition and and we even like so michaela ted and i were the ones who spoke at the um presentation and we all like struggle with talking about calories or just even like people keep like they're like this all this information is great but like how much should I eat (laughs) yeah and it's so hard because we don't want to give just give you a calorie count number one because calorie counts are like wildly inaccurate in terms of like I think there could be up to a 30 percent um like uh what's the word fluctuation or they uh, can be like a standard deviation swing like, yeah basically 30 yeah. percent above or below what the what the calorie count is on a package of food right so like say something says it's 100 calories it could be 100 calories or it could be up to 130 or as low as 70 yeah and that's all actually considered okay by the usda like those are kind of like that's the amount that they let you fluctuate but that's like over the course of an entire day that's a huge difference in what you you might think that you're getting versus what you're actually getting and then there's also issues of just like feeling like you're confined to counting calories and feeling like this is really a stressful thing for you so there's all these reasons that we don't recommend counting calories but then it's like but then how do i know how much i'm eating and if it's the right amount <laughs> yeah. so and then we're like we can't go so far in the other direction of saying just like just eat until you're full because so many of us and i struggled with this for a long time like don't really understand what the difference between 
satisfied or full or hungry or craving like we don't know those differences and it takes yeah. a long time to start to understand those differences so that's something that um we address kind of in the q a but yeah. it's still a very difficult topic for us like all of us had a kind of a hard time discussing that yeah i mean and we've talked about this um at numerous times during the podcast we we have a difficult time fielding some of these nutrition questions like that we get through um, instagram because we just have so little context on what the person's actually going through, right? So like we do a lot more digging when we give out nutrition advice before we actually give any sort of advice because we need to make sure that we're ne- we're doing uh, more good than actually like potentially causing harm, yeah. right? Because if we just give a blanket recommendation, like that can be very damaging to that person if we just randomly do it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And so the way – it's funny because I had – I was the last one to go um, during the workshop. First, Michaela presented on Nutrition 101, and she was going to give just like kind of the basics of nutrition, how to go about choosing different macronutrients and ratios and things like that. Ted was going to talk about like sports-specific nutrition, and then I was going to go into healing your relationship with food. And the beginning of my talk, before I had heard either of their talks, I just talked about the fact that a lot of people look at us as coaches or as personal trainers, and they think that we've had it easy when it comes to fitness or nutrition, right? And so they kind of think, you might not understand what I'm going through. And what I was going to say is, I understand because I've been through it. And then what came out was, Michaela has also been through some struggles with an eating disorder. Ted has been through struggles with an eating disorder. And so it it made my point even more clear that sometimes coaches and personal trainers and nutritionists and people who are here to kind of give you advice on this stuff, it's not because we're not giving you advice because it's always been easy for us. Usually we're in this position because we've actually struggled with this a lot and we've finally come out on the other side of it and all we want is to help other people come out on the other side of it too. Yeah. Right? And so I think that was a, it was like glaringly obvious (laughs) that they really supported my my point (laughs) by sharing their stories with everybody as well. So. Yeah. Um, do you want to get started with just kind of like giving a little bit of an overview of your personal story or yeah. did you have like a little bit of a sequence in mind? No, I can, I can start there and then yeah. I can kind of walk through the rest of the, yeah. the talk. Um, yeah, so I mean my story kind of starts, my background is as a, I was a gymnast and so a lot of gymnastics just kind of has to do with your body <laughs> and what your body looks like. and. I remember when girls would quit gymnastics, they would typically gain weight yeah. and it would be like talked about. And, and I remember that so clearly, like either they quit or they went off to college and they gained 10 or 20 or 30 pounds and the, the other gymnasts would talk about it, the parents would talk about it, the coaches would talk about it. Like everyone made this big deal of the fact that like, oh my gosh, did you see how much weight she gained? And so I remember when I was about to quit, I was 16 years old and I was, terrified of what was going to happen to my body, A, and what people were going to say about me. And because I had evidence that people were going to talk about me, right? Yeah. Like that, it was so, like it had happened over and over and over again. And so I had this massive, massive fear that I was going to gain weight and that everybody was going to notice and everybody was going to be talking about it. Um, and then I had a lot of comments just after I quit, comments that were sort of fear inducing as well from, from friends, from family members. Um, I remember at one point somebody had said to me, you know, you have to start being more careful about what you eat now. And I think I had been drinking like a a Coke or something. (laughs) And they were basically saying like, you should switch to diet Coke. 
because you know you're not doing gymnastics anymore like you're not working out four hours a day anymore yeah you showed the picture of what you looked like and it, i mean yeah. you were very thin I, very thin. oh my gosh like i can put this picture maybe i'll put it up with the uh, episode yeah but yeah when you think that maybe if somebody's going to talk to a 16 year old about like you should be careful about what you eat now it's because they're being like extremely unhealthy they're yeah, totally. maybe very overweight or i don't i was literally like probably borderline underweight you're point. definitely underweight, yeah. yeah. For my age, like I was extremely skinny, and so just hearing this stuff was just reinforcing, like, okay, you're like things are about to happen to your body. People are going to be talking about it. Like, here we go, and so that just really started my whole obsession with food and 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 exercise actually. And um, so I remember, like, pretty much a week after I quit gymnastics, I was like. I asked my parents, I begged my parents to take me to our local global fitness, it was called, in Leominster, <laughs> in my hometown, and sign me up for the gym. And I was like too young to even sign myself up, so my parents had to go with me. I was 16. And I signed up for the gym. I went to, immediately, like, everyone knew me because I was there every single day after school. I went to, like, two classes back to back, and I was trying to be just this, like, perfect, you know, exerciser, <laughs> whatever. Um, but I was just obsessively working out because I was like, I have to keep this up. Like I was, I used to do practice for four hours a day, every day. So I have to make sure that I'm doing almost that in order to keep my body the way it is. Um, and you, then you would be such a fitspo had Instagram been around at that time. Oh my God. I would have been absolutely just so annoying. I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> so glad Instagram was not around at that point. I would have been insufferable. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I was obsessed with working out and then I was also, I became obsessed with logging my food. Um, so I got a food journal and I started writing down every single calorie, every single morsel of food that I ate and I would write little like smiley faces or sad faces basically next to anything that yeah. was like, like if I ate a salad and like, and I would even write like salad with no dressing or something and then smiley face like oh it was so good because I ate like <laughs> leaves <laughs> leaves <laughs> with nothing on it um and then I would write like crying faces if I ate cookies and like it was crazy and then not only that but I I started to get pretty dramatic in terms of how I was just talking to myself in this journal like I would write across the pages like you have no self-control if I ate like ice cream yeah so it started off just kind of a little bit more innocently of just tracking my food and then it became just my whole identity was based around what I was putting in my body yeah and I started to really beat myself up if it wasn't a perfect day yeah and probably at the time like it it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal but that just makes a massive impact on like just the self-judgment, like the, there's just a lot of probably self-loathing, like there's a lot going on there that really builds just from those simple like remarks about yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And I, I mean, this was all in high school still. Yeah, that's this crazy. Was like really early to be having these thoughts. And sometimes I, I forget how young I was when I was first saying all this stuff to myself, and yeah. like how long of a, of a process this has been because I truly haven't, I truly don't think I, I was kind of past my obsession with food until probably three or four years ago. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, a good 15 years of my life. Um, yeah. Or at least 10 years of my life. So this was early on that I was starting to, to say all this stuff. And uh, when I got to college, this is when I was... So again, the next step in life that people talk about your weight is going to college. 
and you're gonna gain the freshman 15. Yeah. So I was like, no, I'm not. Like, absolutely <laughs> not. And during this time, I should also mention, I, I did gain weight. Yeah. Like, I actually gained about 30 pounds before going to college between quitting gymnastics at 16 and going to college. And that was a combination of actually a lot of things. One was I was 16 and my, I hadn't gone through puberty yet because <laughs> I was doing gymnastics and like, I literally I hadn't gotten my period. Like, all these things were stunted because of the amount of exercise I had been doing. And so, literally as soon as I quit I like went up a cup size and (laughs) like like literally that's when I hit puberty so it was late it was late for that so I was gaining a normal amount of weight for like a girl going through that plus I wasn't working out four hours a week I was or four hours a day I was trying to but I couldn't possibly do the same level of activity I was doing with gymnastics and then I was also diagnosed with a thyroid disorder so I had a bunch of things going on at once that really did lead to a, a good amount of weight gain so it was already about 30 pounds heavier going into college and I was like absolutely will not gain the freshman 15 like I checked out the gym as soon as we got there like this is my main priority was to make sure I knew exactly where I was going to work out like how how late was it open I think it was open 24 hours and I was like oh my god amazing I can work out at two in the morning if I want to like these are the thoughts that were going through my head she was routinely going through hour to two hour long sessions on the stairmaster the elliptical with flashcards and note cards oh yeah that's how I studying yeah like that that was your efficient way of studying I Mm -hmm. guess (laughs) yeah because sitting down or doing anything that didn't feel like it was actively contributing to losing weight or keeping weight off I was like it freaked me out yeah so studying I was like I can't just sit and study like I'll I'll go study on the bike I'll study on the stairmaster yeah and so I always was I had to be moving at all times um (laughs) And then I started, this is really, in college was when I really started restricting calories. So in high school, I was keeping track of things, but I don't think I was actively trying to like restrict calories so much. Um, college is when I started to really, really try to basically, I think it was the first time I'd heard the concept of like calories in and calories out. And basically, if you want to lose weight, you have to burn more calories than you take in. And I looked at that at such a surface level of like burning calories on the treadmill, not like even understanding that your body burns calories just like yeah. on a regular basis just by living. <laughs> but I was like, I have to burn more calories on the treadmill. I have to see the number on the treadmill or on the elliptical, or whatever that says like, okay, you burned 600 calories and now I'm only going to eat 400. Yeah. And so I was limiting my <laughs> calories so much. And I was telling the group, like, this was the time where I ate like literally, I can't even tell you how many plain lightly salted rice cakes with I can't believe it's not butter smeared on it because I can't believe it's not butter I'm pretty sure it doesn't even have any calories because I'm pretty sure it's not even food it's like actually made of plastic Um, and rice cakes had like five calories and I was like this is amazing I can eat so many of these and I can feel full but I'm not actually getting any calories in and so this was kind of the start of, of that process for me and then that motivation to to restrict your calories that much and work out that much can only take you so far before you start to really like have some problems. And for me, the problem ended up being binge eating at night. So for some people, they just continue to restrict, 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 and they go into sort of that classic eating disorder look, right? Yep. Where they like actually become very emaciated. And so if you saw me in college, you wouldn't be like, oh, she must have an eating disorder. Because what I was doing was, what I was acting, I was basically had I was restricting my calories completely during the day and then as soon as everybody went to bed and as soon as I was alone I was binge eating at night and I was going I was going crazy because I was so hungry but I couldn't let anybody see me in public see me eat because that would be so embarrassing for me um, because 
who eats? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It's, it sounds crazy now, but I was like, nobody can see me eat because then they'll think like, of course, that's why she's as fat as she is. Like, these are the real thoughts that are going through my head. Like she's fat because look at what she's eating. So I always had to put on the, the facade that no, I, I don't, I'm just like, it sucks. And my body just does this to me, like rebels yeah. against me, but I'm not eating anything. Um, but I was, um, so at night I was going into like just raiding the cabinets and I lived with like four other girls. So there was every, and I lived with other girls who didn't have issues with food. And so, and they had like ice cream and cookies and chocolate covered pretzels and all these <laughs> different things. And so I would literally take like two bites of every single item that was in our kitchen. So I couldn't, I didn't want to make sure, or I wanted to make sure that nobody knew that I was doing this. <laughs> so I couldn't just like eat a thing of ice cream and then in the morning be like, oh, sorry guys, I ate ice cream, I'll replace it. Like I had to eat just enough of each one that nobody would really notice, but I was like, I needed the food, I was starving. So this, that started happening. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it got basically, it just kept getting worse, like this kind of, pattern just kept getting worse and it got to the point where I finally actually I, I went to the doctor and at this point I think I was I'm 5'4 and I think I was like 130 pounds or something like that like I wasn't I was very much like I would show up to the doctor and they would be like you're good yeah you're not you're overweight you're not normal. underweight you're very normal <laughs> everything looks good you're healthy um and I got to the doctor and I was crying like bawling my eyes out in the doctor's office that she needed to put me in a weight loss like um, clinic or something like that. Like I was, I was begging her to put me, they had, they had like flyers for some weight loss thing that you could do, that you could sign up for. I was like, please, like, I just need, I need help. Like I can't lose weight. And she didn't really say much to me during that. She was like, I think she was kind of like, I don't really think that that's necessarily for you. Um, and it wasn't actually until like years later that I was looking back at my charts and she had actually diagnosed me with body dysmorphic disorder. Yeah. Um, because I was clearly not being rational or, or like seeing what other people were seeing when yeah. I was looking at my body. Like I, I genuinely felt like I was obese and I needed, I needed help. Yeah. I mean, she, she definitely just saw like a 19, 20 year old fit looking girl that was 130 pounds and just yeah she was just like yeah she's just like this is she definitely doesn't need this but she probably i mean she could have done a little bit more like digging and probably you know maybe talking about counseling and stuff like yeah, that but just I, to leave you and didn't. leave you with that diagnosis that's that's pretty that's pretty um significant I feel yeah like. it's super significant and i i mean i did end up going to therapy around that point and so maybe she did recommend it Honestly, I remember that appointment so clearly, but I don't remember anything past her basically saying like that, that, that weight loss thing was not for me. Yeah. And so maybe she did say, you need to go see a therapist <laughs> because I did go to therapy at, at a certain point. Um, she also diagnosed me with depression. Um, so there were, there was a lot going on there, um, beyond just binging and restricting. And like, I, I had a lot of sort of emotional and, and mental stuff going on as well. And so this was all kind of happening together. Um, and then I went to therapy and I wasn't ready for it, I think, is, the, is what happened. Or it wasn't the right person for me. But basically, I would show up. And I, now what I'm remembering about going to therapy is that I've always been a people pleaser, just in my life in general. And I wanted my therapist to not think that I was in as bad of a place as I was. So I would show up and I would literally like 
I would just be like, you know, it's not actually that bad. And I would start <laughs> to like talk myself into like, no, 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 I'm actually fine. And I, because I wanted her to like think that I, I was like a good therapy student. <laughs> like I didn't want to, because I didn't want to make her feel bad for me. And so I remember like, I just never got to the place in therapy where I was actually opening up or I was actually like being real. And so it, it didn't work for me. And maybe yeah. if I had tried different therapists, there would have been some who like, got that out of me but she really wasn't yeah because i'm sure you're not alone in that like to like feel like you finally made the decision to go to therapy and then that like you feel like you're not doing a good enough job at therapy and like manipulating your answers like i feel like a different therapist would probably have quickly picked up on that this is something feels suspicious right potentially i mean this is just a random person that i found through my insurance you know like a it wasn't a, a referral, a referral or, anything, or anything, yeah. anything like that. So anyway, so I kind of quit therapy and I just kind of went back to this behavior and it really lasted a very long time. Um, but over the course of several years, I just started to explore different, wa- different ways that I could start to heal this relationship with food. Yeah. Um, and so it sounds like now I'm going to kind of jump into a lot of the things that I did, but these are all going to be things that I kind of discovered and started to work on over a very long period of time not just like one day I woke up and I was like all right you know what today's the day I'm no longer obsessed with food and I'm I'm gonna be fine um this was a long process but it was like six eight years yeah I mean I guess like I'm trying to think of when I really started so I, I guess I should say that also in college is when I went on and right after college is when I went on every single diet ever. Yeah. So I, I stopped the like just trying not to eat and I started to look for other options. So it was like, okay, well, paleo is saying that you can eat a lot, but you just can't have carbs. <laughs> and then like, I mean, what other ones? Well, I did Whole30 a bunch of times. I, I, I think I did South Beach and Atkins like because those were some of the earlier ones. Zone. I don't think I ever did Zone. Yeah, like there were the zone bars and or maybe oh, I definitely just probably, like, well, I ate all the diet foods <laughs> for sure, but I don't think I ever did actually did that one. Yeah. Um, intermittent fasting came out and I definitely was like, I have to fast now. And Weight Watchers. Weight Watchers for sure. Yeah. So kind of started exploring all these different ways of eating. None of them were really working and yeah. So just kind of all of that took place as well. Um, and then I, I don't, some of these ideas came from different people that I followed or different books that I read. I took the precision nutrition um, certification and I think that really sparked a lot of this understanding for me of like something's really not right about the way that I'm approaching food and like here's just trying some different strategies um, for how I can start to to heal this relationship. And so one of the first things was just looking at the language that I was using when I was talking about food and when I was talking about like what I ate. Um, and one of them, one of the things that I was constantly saying was I was so bad about like what I ate over the weekend. So I'd be like, Oh my God, I was so bad this weekend. Like I ate an entire pizza and I ate like beer. I was so bad. And it was constantly like, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that nice actually. Like I said, much worse things to myself, (laughs) but like basically my self-worth was wrapped up in what I ate. And it's sort of just like reinforced guilt and negative feelings about what I ate because I was saying when we're saying that we're so bad for what we what we ate instead yeah. of I ate food that wasn't great for me like that's a reality and that's truth and that's fine yeah. um, but when you wrap up your own self-worth in it then that starts to become a little bit more of an issue yeah definitely um, the other one was the <laughs> I didn't actually say this sentence verbatim but the kind <laughs> of screw it I blew it mentality of like having 
one bad thing and then being like, well now, and by, by bad, I shouldn't say that, but one thing that you view as like bad or not on your diet and then just being like, well now, like I, I blew it. Like I just, I'm such a failure. I can't stick to anything. I might as well have the entire plate of cookies rather than just having that one cookie. Yeah. It's like I failed at the thing and I'm just going to go all in and then I'll start fresh again tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. And that was constantly happening, especially when I was doing some of these like really restrictive diets because they're so restrictive and you're like, all you can think about is eating a cookie yeah. for like hours and hours and hours on end. Um, and then finally you do. And then you're like, I'm such a failure. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go all out. Um, and I know this has been, uh, this analogy has been used many different times. I don't know who originally said it, but it's kind of like similar to getting a flat tire and then popping holes in the other three tires <laughs> and like one flat tire is not that big of a deal. You can get it fixed. It's no big, it's not going to like ruin your day, but four flat tires is really probably going to ruin your day. And so like we wouldn't do that in any other area in our life, but we tend to do that with nutrition. Um, so that's another one that I sort of started to recognize that I was doing. Um, another one was just kind of always having to have a qualifier for certain foods that I eat. So I would always have to say like, oh, well, I can eat this because I worked out earlier today or like, oh, I ran, I ran six miles. Um, that's why I'm having this beer. It's like nobody, first of all, nobody really cares. <laughs> and second of all, like you don't have to like have a reason to eat. Like eating is just part of life. Yeah. And it's, it's, you don't have to have a qualifier for that. Um, <laughs> So yeah, those were some of the just like ways that I was starting to recognize things that I was saying about food that were potentially harmful for my relationship with food. Yeah. Um, as I was going through sort of, as I was getting a little closer to being a little bit better about not restricting my calories so much and like not overly dieting, something that started to happen to me was I would get extremely, extremely panicked about feeling even a little bit hungry. And I think this was probably like, it went back to when I was actually starving myself and like I, I, that feeling was awful. And so when I had even a little bit of a like ping of hunger, I would freak out and I was like, oh my God, I need to get a snack. I need to like pull over. I need to go get something right now. I'm going to die if I don't <laughs> eat right now. And I know a lot of you probably have this feeling of like panic as soon as you feel a little bit hungry. And so during that time I started to create, I, I had a mantra that I started to say, which was hunger is not an emergency for me right now. Um, and that really helped me because I needed to remind myself that I wasn't actually starving. I have food avail available to me at all times. And I probably can make it from the gym to my house where I have a healthy meal, like ready to go prepare for me without dying. And I don't have to like pull over and get something from McDonald's. Right. <laughs> but like that was happening. I was doing that for a long time because I was like, Oh my God, I'm so hungry. And like, I was so afraid of this feeling of hunger that I had to go get something or I had to run to target and grab a bar or something like that. Like I had to eat. It was like, actually I can, I can make it home. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not actually physically starving. Um, and so this really helped me during that time of my life. But as I was sharing the story during the presentation, I realized that a very strong caveat that I had to make was that this mantra of hunger isn't an emergency for me right now would have been super damaging 10 years ago when I was in school and I was restricting my calories and I was actually trying to go as long as I could without eating because that mantra would have then like propelled me further into an eating disorder. Right. Yeah. And so this was only helpful in the particular situation that I was in, which was I was overeating because I was scared of being a little hungry um, or scared of just like 
not, not having food with me at all times, um, which isn't necessary. So I just wanted to make that like caveat that yeah. this was, this was only helpful for that very specific situation. Um, yeah. And then, man, I mean, there's so much more. I don't want to like uh, go through all of this. <laughs> I think, uh, I like the, um, the, the looking at yourself in the mirror one. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so one of the, one of my slides was to be nicer to the person looking back at you in the mirror. <laughs> and I led the slide off with, if you're in a place that I was in 10 years ago, this slide makes you want to punch me in the face <laughs> because I hated when people would be like, just look in the mirror and tell yourself you love yourself. And meanwhile, you're like, are you serious right now? Like, all I can think about is how much I hate my body and how much I hate the way I look. And you just want me to like flip the script and all of a sudden just be like, oh no, it's fine. If you look in, your mir in the mirror and say it enough, you'll start to believe it. And I was like, no, that's BS, like, no. Um, and so I hated that idea. Um, but I also started to understand the actual impact of how, like, of actually saying horrible things to yourself. In the yeah. Mirror. So it wasn't about saying, looking in the mirror and saying, oh my God, you're gorgeous. But it was more about not saying <laughs> you're disgusting, you're, you're gross, you have no self-control, like all these things that I was constantly saying to myself in the mirror and kind of the, um, I think, I think I first heard this idea through Precision Nutrition. They were talking about, like, if you've ever been watching a sporting event or, like, watching a scary movie and you physically start to, like, sweat or shake or, like, you have some physical reactions to the fact that, like, they're running away from zombies and you're sweating because <laughs> you're watching it happen, nothing's actually happening to you. Like, you're literally just sitting on the couch watching someone run away from zombies. Yeah. You're not actually running away. But you are physically sweating and you're having a physical reaction because what you think manifests into physical reactions. Yeah. And so there, it's not like you don't think that you constantly saying you're fat, you're ugly, you're disgusting is going to manifest itself in any way physically, but it actually can. It yeah, actually absolutely. does. And our thoughts are, are 100% connected to our <laughs> physical being. I mean, it, it makes sense, um, but we don't think about it when we're talking about our bodies in the mirror. Yeah. We don't think that, that could actually have, have an effect, um, but it does. And so things, you know, being nicer to yourself in the mirror is not about self-love and just like spouting these things that you don't actually believe, but just n trying to look in the mirror and not say something mean. <laughs> that can be the first step is like try to look in the mirror and just not say anything. Just kind of look, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then in Sarah, our coach, Sarah has a really good um, point about this that she used for dealing with her anxiety, which was you don't have to say um, you should just say what's real. Like start with yeah. just saying what's real. So when you look in the mirror and you say you're gross, like that's not you like, no, okay. That's not real, but you can say, this is what you look like. Mm -hmm. That's just like a statement that's real. Um, or you could say, these are your thighs, yeah. <laughs> like this is your stomach. And then eventually maybe you can start to, to make that a little bit more positive. And you can be like, my, like my thighs are strong and leave it at that. And then maybe you can be like, I love my thighs because they're strong and they can get me through a 5K. And eventually the self-talk starts to become more positive, but you can't just go from zero to 60. Yeah. You can't go from your gross to your amazingly beautiful supermodel <laughs> because it just doesn't, it, you won't believe it. Yeah, yeah. And your internal monologue will be like, you're so annoying, this isn't true. <laughs> I, yeah, I think the, the thing that a lot of people ended up appreciating um, about all of your talks is that there was, there was a lot of tangible advice, but it wasn't also just like, 
guru advice, right? Like, cause like you could have left these slides as just be nicer to yourself in the mirror when, when you look at yourself. And that's guru advice because it's not taking into account all the other things that that person could be going through, what their situation is, but you took the time to make sure that you carefully deliver the information in a way that would resonate with a lot of people regardless of what situation they were in, right? And so the same goes for the, the other one. What was the other one that you were, oh, the, to create a mantra. It's like, yeah. you know, this is the mantra thing. Like my mantra would have been damaging five years ago. It was helpful for me when I needed it at that time. Yeah. And I think that's really important distinction because a lot of these things, yeah, are just like case dependent and how you are at that moment in time. Um, and so to like uh, Michaela said, it's like just taking a lot of like the guru advice out there with the grain of salt and like sure it might work for some people and maybe a lot of people, but it might not work for you and that doesn't have any reflection on you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's why it is important to find like if you're looking for resources to help you through something with nutrition, whether it's like, it's okay if you are looking to lose weight or if you are looking to put on muscle, like whatever you're looking to do with nutrition, just try to make sure that you're finding somebody who has experience working with a vast majority, like a, a vast number of people, like has, has worked with people who have all different types of goals and also who have been through all different types of things. Um, and sometimes it's really good to find a coach who's been through it themselves because they really yeah. can understand that it's not black and white. Like you can easily go on different websites and, and find your macronutrient breakdown that would help you lose 10 pounds. Like you can find that. Yeah. It's not hard to find. So as a nutrition coach, if I was, if someone's like, how do I lose 10 pounds? You know, if I was just going by the books, I would hand them a sheet of paper that said, eat this many calories, this many grams of carbs, this many grams of protein, this many grams of fat, and that should work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but having gone through all of the things that I've been through, I know that that's not what works because, or there are select few people that it works for, people who don't have issues with food or issues with body image or anything like that who just are like, you know what, I'm just curious, can I lose 10 pounds by making some changes? And I'm very open to making these changes and yeah. have no like preconceived feelings about diets or anything like that. And I'm good with how I look. I'm just curious about if I can lose 10 pounds. Like those people, absolutely, I would probably give them a, just like a, a menu and be yeah. like, here you go. <laughs> but they come fewer and farther between, yes. right? It's like yeah. the more, like there have been so many times throughout, you know, our, our training careers where we kind of like peg this person as like, oh, they're type A, they love being told what to do. You give them a sheet and they'll follow it. And then it turns out like a couple months later, a few months later, they're like, that was really stressful. Like mm -hmm. that, like I actually have some more like things that I'm working through than I realize. And like a lot of other stuff manifests because they're confined to this rigid, rigid eating schedule, which yeah. doesn't really set anyone up well for success unless like, Maybe it's like you're part of your job, like you compete in a sport, and like weight class is a, is a thing. Um, but yeah, like we've made plenty of assumptions about people thinking that they yeah. would do well with this plan, but still it's just, yeah, life's just too unpredictable for that sort of rigidity. Yeah, and so, and that's what a lot of, it would be a whole other episode on like, how do you actually go about like eating for different goals? Um, but what, I guess what I wanted to touch on with my piece of this is like, it, you have to heal your relationship with food first before you can even think about going on something that's a little bit more rigid or yeah. like counting calories or doing things like this. And we always think it's the other way around. I think we think like, oh, and I mean, for sure, I thought like, if I could just lose 10 pounds, 
then I can like feel better about my body and like all these things like, but I have to lose that 10 pounds first. And so I have to do all these things. I have to count calories. I have to do all this stuff first in order to heal my relationship with my body and like feel better about it. And the reality was it, it had to be the other way around. And I think for everyone that I've worked with, it has to be the other way around. Yeah. If you're still feeling these negative thoughts and saying these negative things about yourself constantly on an everyday basis, it doesn't matter how much information you have about nutrition. I mean, I had a nutrition certification and I took <laughs> nutrition classes at Northeastern, even though I was a journalism student <laughs> because I was trying to learn how I could lose weight. That was the reason I took an entire college course. And like, it didn't matter how much information I had because I was still so in such a dark place with my, with myself. Yeah. And so this stuff might feel like, like when I say have a mantra and, you know, be nicer to yourself in the mirror. This stuff might sound so silly and it might yeah. not sound like sound nutrition advice. Like you might be looking for the hard facts about nutrition, but you have to do this stuff first. Yeah. And maybe it's just like starting with, um, just like a little bit of action maybe that like makes you feel like, okay, like I'm setting myself more towards like a productive path mm. and then from there you can use that and leverage it as momentum to start being a little bit nicer to yourself in the mirror to start having like these personal mantras and to start kind of like reframing conversations that you have in your head with a little bit of that action um, and then maybe it's just a constant like going back and forth between that it's yeah. like being nicer to yourself and then also being a little bit more realistic with the, your nutrition plan um, but yeah I think it's just it's just grossly underrated how much the, the stuff that you say to yourself silently matters so yeah, much. Yeah, but I like, that, I like that idea a lot is that like you have to have, if you want to make a change, you have to have some, start with some action. Yeah. But if you start with just like an overhaul of your entire life and you're like, it's not going to be sustainable. You're, and if you're still having a lot of negative thoughts and everything like that, like it's not going to last. And then you're going to feel like a failure and it kind of just like feeds into this cycle. Yeah. But if you can say like, I'm going to take two steps, one step even yeah. to like make a change this week. And that's going to be my thing that I focus on this week. And I'm going to feel really good about that thing. And if, as long as I can do that one thing, I'm going to feel really proud of myself and really yeah. happy. Um, and that thing can be as simple as like drinking a glass of water every time you eat or something like that. Yeah. It could be like you go to the grocery store on Sunday, you meal prep, you're feeling good. You're feeling like you've got some momentum. Then you look at yourself in the mirror. You're like, this is what my body looks like right now, but I've got this and I'm going to continue to build off of this momentum. Mm -hmm. And then you just, these little things keep building and building and building to wherever you want to go with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th I think, I think a little bit of action does help to kind of like create a little bit of that spark and that hope that, you know, that you can do this. Yeah. And then I guess the last thing is kind of like with nutrition, I was talking to Jason about this and I think I may have even talked about it in the podcast before is that I feel like now nutrition has become synonymous with weight loss and that really bothers me as well. <laughs> um, like it's almost like anything that you see in a magazine or anything you see online is like, nutrition, blah, blah, blah. And then it's always like how to lose 20 pounds. It's like nutrition has become completely synonymous with weight loss. And that's another reason that we're always thinking like we need to eat less and work yeah. out more and all this stuff. And like nutrition is just about giving your body 
like keeping your body alive and thriving right? right and like giving it the best chance to thrive in the different situations that you're putting it in so whether you're trying to just sit at a desk all day maybe you need a little bit less calories if you're trying to run a marathon you're going to need some more calories and if you want to be really healthy you're going to want some more vegetables <laughs> like all these <laughs> different things but like it's become so focused on weight loss that we forget the the bigger picture about nutrition in yeah. general right and so that's something that um frustrates me and also i think should frustrate everybody and we should always we should just kind of like have um be a little bit more aware of the messaging and the marketing that's out there when it comes to nutrition and that if nutrition is being advice is being given to you as only advice for weight loss maybe take a step back and say yeah. like this isn't the only thing about nutrition that yeah. matters <laughs> um so yeah that's just kind of a side note but something that also i kind of touched upon as well yeah i think um you know i think the, the best piece of like tangible advice, you know, once you've developed a lot of momentum is the whole concept of uh, experimenting, right? I think yeah. we can probably end on this note. And we've talked about this um, in the podcast before, but just this whole notion of like, instead of going on a nutrition plan or a diet and then potentially not sticking with it and then considering it a failure, you can consider it as more of an experiment, right? And when you do that, it kind of just reframes the conversation a little bit to being like, I'm gonna try this out, I'm gonna try this plan out, and if it doesn't work, then all you need to say is, it didn't work for me. So yeah. it failed you rather than you failing it. And I think that makes a huge difference um, along like just this whole journey that you're on. Right? Yeah, 100%, it just gives you so much more freedom and it feels so much less confining and it feels like you're in the driver's seat. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, because if you are constantly saying like, oh, I can't eat carbs because I'm on this diet yeah. and then you do eat carbs, you're like, well, I failed like, and yeah. it's over. Now it's over. Like I screwed the whole thing up. Whereas if your experiment is like, I'm trying out a lower carb um, diet for a little while just to like see how it makes me feel. And then you do it for a little while. And at the end you're like, you know what? That actually, I felt like I just didn't have a lot of energy and I felt like my workouts really suffered because I wasn't able to like bring it to the gym like I wanted to. So maybe lower carb doesn't actually work for me and like maybe I'm gonna try something else. But then that puts you just in control of your own situation yeah. because you were just trying something out as opposed to you were on a diet and then you failed it. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason why we're kind of bringing this up towards the end here is because when you are early on in the process and maybe less adept at the being nicer to yourself and like uh, reframing conversations and having this sort of stuff, uh, it's really difficult to look at the information objectively and think like the experiment didn't work, yeah. right? Yeah. Because it comes with so much more, you know, emotional stuff around it that it's impossible to look at just purely objectively and be like, oh, this is an experiment, it failed me. You you will eventually get to a point where you'll think that, no, I failed it, yeah. right? Yeah. Without first addressing a lot of the other stuff or at least like starting the process to upfront. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, episode there. that was a, uh, it was, that was a little long, a little longer than usual, <laughs> but hopefully it just kind of gives you some insight into, um, our, like my experience really, um, and experience. I think my experience is an experience that a lot of people can relate to on some level, hopefully not as intensely as I went through, um, but I'm sure that a lot of you were nodding your head at some of the things that, um, that I was mentioning because it's just the reality for a lot of us. Um, but I am hoping that also by sharing that experience and that you can maybe 
take a look at yourself and kind of think about ways that you might be doing some of this stuff to yourself and, and start to try to use some of the strategies that we talked about to push yourself in a more positive direction. Yeah. Love well, it. So I don't have, oh my gosh, now I don't even have an outro because we didn't answer any questions. So I can't <laughs> say those are all of our answers to your burning questions, but I'll just be like, that's my story. That's your spiel. And until <laughs> next time. Is that all? Yeah. Or... There's one more part of my outro. I usually ask for, for reviews on iTunes. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you like this podcast and you wouldn't mind leaving us a review on iTunes, that would be wonderful. And until next time, peace, love, and, and muscles. muscles.